praise the Lord. The Lord is good all the time. And all the time. Amen. Amen. This is the very last service, so it's like bittersweet, you know. But it's only the last one for 2018, okay? Tell someone next to you, we'll be back next year. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Um, so we I just want to dive right in there. Amen. This this morning's message or the title of this morning's message is a new way of living. A new way of living. Um, when I thought about it, um, and when I was really just trusting God for, for what to speak about um, this morning, this is what he laid in my heart. And, and it really comes from a place of knowing that um, each and every one of us who are seated here this morning, um, at some point in time, we were apart from Christ. At some point in our lives, um, we were, quote, unquote, the old man, okay? And at a certain point, we met Jesus. And at a certain point, we gave our hearts to the Lord and we, we surrendered all to him. And so we became new creatures. We became a new creation. But with a new creation, with that transformation, comes a new way of doing things, a new way of living, new conduct, new habits. Amen. And so that's what I really want to touch on this morning. Whenever transformation takes place, old habits and old ways of thinking have to die so that your new form is aligned with new conduct and new ways of doing life. Someone say amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. What I'm going to do is I'm really going to zip through the first portion so that I spend a bit more time on the second and the third portion, if that's okay. 2 Corinthians 5 reading from verse 17 and verse 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's you and that's myself. If anyone is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. So it's not just about having faith in him. It's about having faith that he is your Savior. He is your Redeemer. Then whoever that person is, and that's anyone, it's not, it's not um, limited by age. It's not limited by where you come from. Um, it's not limited by your by your financial position or your social station in life. If anyone, absolutely anyone, is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things, that's the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. And behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings about a new life. But all these things are from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example, in other words, by the way that we live our lives, by the way that we conduct ourselves, we might bring others to him. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling those sins. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation that is restoration to favor with God. What a beautiful passage of scripture. You see, merely by you and I being born again, you and I meet the criteria of this passage of scripture. Because by the fact that, or by virtue of the fact that you and I have given our hearts to Jesus, there's a few things that happen. At the point that you gave your heart to Jesus and became born again, there was a spiritual awakening and new life was brought into your being. Hallelujah. That's point number one. Point number two, simultaneously, at the very same time that new life was coming into 
you as a person at the very same time we were holding a funeral service in honor of your previous moral and spiritual condition which passes away. So new life from Jesus comes in, your old or your previous moral and spiritual condition passes away. Rest in peace, old self. At the very same time, a third thing is happening because God, while he's doing all of this, he's also closing the gap, he's removing the rift, and he's healing the divide between himself and us, reconciling us back to himself through his son, Jesus. So where sin once separated us from him, now we've been brought close to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. At the very same moment, you have to stay with me, at the very same moment of reconciliation back to the Father, the fourth miracle that's taking place is he gives to us the very same ministry of reconciliation. In other words, he says, my son, my daughter, in the same way that I've now reconciled you back to myself, I give to you this very day the ministry of reconciliation and I say to you, do exactly what I've done. Go out there, live your life, conduct yourself in a way that shows the example that causes those who are not in Christ to be drawn to me. Wow. Wow. Have you been called to ministry? According to the scripture, every single one of you have. Hallelujah, Jesus. And finally, by being reconciled back to the Father, we receive favor with God. We receive favor with God. What a wonderful place to find ourselves in. Once we were Gentiles, now as we stand, or rather as we sit, we are indistinguishable from the Jews. It's almost as if you and I were born Jewish. Hallelujah, Jesus. Once called the uncircumcised, once called the uncircumcision, now we've been brought in. Stay with me. We're going quickly. Ephesians chapter 2 from the Amplified. And you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and your sins in which you once walked. You were following the ways of this world influenced by the present age in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. The spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving who fight against the purposes of God. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Every single one of us. Our behavior governed by our sinful self. Indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind. Skip over to verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you who are Gentiles by birth, that's you and I, if you didn't know. At you, you who are, who are Gentiles by birth, who are called the uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is itself a mere mark and which is done in the flesh by human hands. Verse 12. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, you were excluded from any relationship with him. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise with no share in the sacred messianic promise and without knowledge of God's agreements, having no hope in his promise and living in the world without God. That's pretty bleak if we stop there. If you stop at the end of verse 12, that's pretty bleak. But someone say thank you for verse 13. Come on now. You see, verse 13 starts with two of the most powerful words that you could ever come across in Scripture. 
Despite the fact that we were once separated, alienated, strangers to the covenant, we had absolutely no shares in the sacred messianic promise. We were without knowledge of God's agreements. We had no hope and we were living in a world without God. Verse 13, but now. Turn to your neighbor and say, but now. Hallelujah, Jesus. But now, at this very moment in Christ Jesus, you who once were so very far away from God have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one body and broke down the barrier and the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us. In other words, thank you, Jesus, that no longer were we separated and categorized as Jew and Gentile, but now you've brought us together as one. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility. Verse 18, for it is through him that we both, Jew and Gentile have a direct way of approach, direct access in one spirit to the Father. Verse 19, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are no longer outsiders without rights of citizenship. But you are now fellow citizens with the saints, with God's people, and are members of God's household. Verse 22, in him and in fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Someone say amen. You see, this chapter in Ephesians descriptively explains what we once were without Christ, but also what we now are with Christ. How we were at one point so very far away from Christ, and how we have now been brought so close that we're literally able to put our ear on his breast and know the beat of his heart. We now occupy the same position of favor as if we ourselves were Jews by birth. We have the very same Holy Spirit inside of us giving us direct access to the Father. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. I told you I'm going to go through this first portion quite quickly. 1 Peter, 1 Peter, 2, verse, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 leading from the King James. This is who we are. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is you and I. Reading from the NIV, reading verse 10 from the NIV, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's look at the comparison. Before salvation and after salvation. For those who are taking notes. Before salvation and after salvation. Before we knew him as our Lord and personal Savior, we were spiritually dead and separated from him. Now we are alive in Christ Jesus and close and near to God. Before we met Jesus, we were following the ways of this world. After having known him as Lord and Savior, we are now followers of Christ and fellow citizens with the saints. 
Before we knew salvation, we were fighting against the purposes of God. Because we were following our then master, who is Satan himself. Now that we've received a new master, Jesus, we are now declaring the praises of him who called us. Before we were governed by sinful self. Now we are a holy nation. We are God's special possession. Before we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, now we have direct way of access directly to the Father. Before we were strangers to the covenants of promise, now we are no longer strangers and aliens. Before we had absolutely no share in the sacred messianic promise, now we are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. Before we were living without a hope and without a prayer, now we are built together into a dwelling place of God himself. Before we found, our, we found ourselves so very far away from God, now we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. So I've gone through all of that to get us to the point where we are right now. This is where we are. This is where we find ourselves. You are part of a chosen generation. You are part of a royal priesthood. If you don't know who is, that's Mumisa. I call her Ngu. It's fine. She doesn't mind. Don't look at me like that. Okay. You are part of this Joshua generation. Hallelujah, Jesus. You've been transformed and transfigured. Once we were not a people, now you are a people. Once you were living without a hope, now you have hope eternal in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful place to find yourself in in a new place, in a new location, in a new position. But what did I say at the very beginning? Where there's change and where there's transformation, there also needs to follow with that a change of behavior, a change of the way that we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. Not just on a Sunday, but from Monday to Saturday, including Sunday. The things we do, the things we say, the way that we interact with each other at home, at work, at school, at college, in social settings, at spa, at pick and pay, and also at church on a Sunday morning. There needs to be a change of behavior in order that we can align ourselves with the things that we do, the things that we say, the way that we are on a daily basis with where God has brought us to now. Someone say amen. And so there needs to be a change of behavior. You see, two years ago, approximately two years ago, I started a new job. I left my old place of employment and I started at a new place of employment. And at my previous place of employment, there was no gym. Okay? And at my... Pre no, wait. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Stomach in, chest out. You have to wait for the punchline. So at my previous place of employment, there was no gym. And as far as I know, there still isn't a gym there. At my previous place of employment, there was no canteen. There was no canteen. Right? So that meant that, meant that if you wanted lunch and if you hadn't packed lunch, you'd most probably walk across the road a little further down. There's an engine, engine garage, I think it is, and you'd probably buy yourself some sort of sausage roll or a pie. You know the story. They have a pie and a Coke combo. Come on. Am I talking to someone really? We know the story, right? We know the story. Come on. You know the specials. Uh, you get a pie and a Coke. You know what I mean? So, so at my previous place of employment, no gym, 
No healthy options for eating. No canteen. Right. You with me? Ah, you guys are full of judgment. So now, at my new place of employment, keep in mind I've already been there for two years. I find myself in a new place of employment, a new location. Guess what? They've got a gym. Yeah, they've got it. I know. I know. I know. You can't believe it. I know. I know you can't believe it. Got a gym. Guess what? They've got a canteen. Not only do they have a canteen, but they have a canteen that offers me healthy eating options. They've got a banting section over there. They've got a vegetarian section over there. Right at the very end, the end that I never ever reached, there's a section that's just got fruit cups and salads and all sorts of wonderful, healthy, amazing stuff. So I found myself two years ago and I'm still in this same place of employment where they have a gym that would cost me absolutely nothing to go to, free of charge, and they've offered me with new healthy eating options. But even though I found myself in a new location with these options available to me, my behavior stayed the same. And the evidence is apparent. It's okay, guys. It's okay. There's a lot of weeks between now and the first Sunday next year. It's okay. You guys laugh now? It's fine. We'll see each other in 2019. But I say that, um, I use that example because you laugh at me, but guess what? A lot of us, a lot of us here this morning, we're born again, we love Jesus. But when the transformation happened, when we found ourselves in a new space, in a new location, we kept some of our old habits. We kept some of our old habits, our old ways of thinking and our old ways of doing things. And the sad part of it all is our behavior often betrays where our minds and our hearts are really at. I'll say that again. Our behavior, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we speak, the way we do every single day life, everyday life, I'm not talking about Sunday. We can all look good and walk the walk and talk the talk on a Sunday morning. It's a two-hour gap. There's not much that, that's required for you to act out what Christianhood should look like. I'm not talking about a Sunday morning. I'm talking about on a day-to-day, -day, daily basis, our behavior often betrays where our minds and our hearts are really at. The way we behave, good or bad, Christ-like or fleshly, is often an outward expression of our inner spiritual condition. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and verse 12. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, strangers and pilgrims of this world. Remember, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims of this world to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. So where you find yourself at work, at school, in spa, in pick and pay, having your conversation be honest among those who don't yet know him as Lord and Savior. That even though or whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, in other words, by the way you conduct yourself, 
which they will see, which they will behold, they'll still be able to glorify God in the day of visitation. Reading, reading from the Amplified, the same verse of Scripture, Beloved, I urge, you, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from the sensual urges, those dishonorable desires. Remember, this is, this is instructions to us as believers. That wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent. Keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved Gentiles. Conduct yourself honorably with graciousness and integrity so that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers will do, yet by observing your good deeds, they may instead come to glorify God in the day of visitation when he looks upon them with mercy. What I'm saying is, if you haven't done it yet, and by the way, a lot of this is stuff that needs to actually be done on a continuous basis. That's why I said, and I've now said it about for the third or fourth time, I'm really not so interested on the way you conduct yourself on a Sunday morning. That's the easy part. But the day-to-day, -day, mundane, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in and out of daily life, we're going to have to leave our old ways behind. We're going to have to, you're going to see from Scripture, we're going to have to continually and continuously crucify that flesh that keeps wanting to rise up and cause us to behave in a way that we ought not to behave. So we're going to have to leave our old ways behind. Ephesians 4, verse 17 to verse 24. We won't read every single verse. We'll just read a few of them. Verse 17, this I say therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. We're talking about the way we walk on a daily basis, the way we do life from Monday to Sunday. Stop walking the way that the Gentiles also walk. There should be a difference between the way they walk and the way you walk. Now walk here is speaking about your, your, your spiritual walk in Christ and your daily walk with Christ. But it's, it's, strange how, it's strange how in reality I can also remember a time where literally walking. I'm talking about literally walking. And if you've ever been to a colored community you may or may not have, have been to one previously. But also, if you generally watch these, you know, these American gangster movies, especially the older ones, you'll see that the gangsters have a particular walk. The gangsters don't walk like, like the way we walk. They have a specific, like a bounce and a lean, right? It's almost like they're about to dip, and then they sort of drag, like the one leg is dragging, and there's a specific, actual, literal walk. And they walk that way because... Everyone else in the community needs to know that I am a gangster. So there's a reason they walk that way. And I remember, I mean, being young, being a teenager, you get, you, you get influenced, you get attracted to the bright lights, you get attracted to what you think is a very cool and a very nice lifestyle. And so as teenagers, we'd also drop our pants to, you know, wear and, you know, have that walk. And we'd also try to walk that gangster walk. Right? But then I gave my heart to Jesus in the middle of grade 8. And my pants sat where they were supposed to sit. And my walk literally changed to, to, to the way that a normal human being ought to walk. Why? Because a 
didn't make sense to me anymore to try to look like some cool gangster from the community when I'd given my heart to Jesus. It didn't make sense to me anymore to continue to behave in that way because I'd now found Jesus. My behavior had to change. Literally, my walk had to change. And it did. That you walk no longer just as Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding and excluding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Verse 22. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We're going to have to lay aside our old self and put on the new self. In this passage of scripture, Paul describes our new relationship to the world in which we live. Our relationship to the flesh, our old nature, our new way of life through Jesus Christ, and some foundational truths to Christian thinking and Christian conduct. So if we're going to no longer walk the way that we used to walk, the way that the old man used to walk, how are we supposed to walk? Galatians 5 and verse 16. Again, we won't read every single verse. We'll just focus on a few. Verse 16. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. So you see, what was happening to me then in grade 8 is... The Holy Spirit was convicting me. The Holy Spirit was guiding me. The Holy Spirit was letting me know, Stuart, it's not okay anymore for you specifically who proclaims Jesus now as your Lord and Savior to continue to dress and walk in that way that you were dressing and the way that you were walking. You need to straighten up, son, and show the world out there what it means to walk as a Christian walks. He was... I was being responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. Verse 17. For the sinful nature has its desire which is opposed to the spirit. Remember I said we, we all have to on a daily basis crucify the sinful nature. Because the sinful nature has its desire which is opposed to the spirit and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict. So that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. So there's a war that's taking place with you and I on a daily basis. There's your sinful nature, your fleshly nature that you crucified that wants to keep rising up, that wants to keep rising up, that's continually opposing God's spirit living inside of you. 
And that's why a lot of the time we find ourselves as believers, not as non-believers. We find ourselves as believers knowing the good thing that we ought to do, that we should be doing. Yet we find ourselves falling short and not doing it because of this battle between the fleshly nature, the sinful nature, and God's Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Verse 18. But if you are guided and led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Verse 19. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are. These are the behaviors. These are the practices. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, meaning total irresponsibility or lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, yes, jealousy, fits of anger, yes, fits of anger, disputes, yes, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, yes, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. And other things like these. Unfortunately, what that means is this is not a closed list. You can't look at this list and tick, 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 and say, as long as I don't do any of these, I'm okay. In legal terminology, it means this is not a closed list. And other things like these. So anything that fits into this category, pass up. Okay. I warn you beforehand. Remember, I don't know why they I don't know why they've done away with it, but remember if you if you owned a dog, then they'd have that little sign that went on the gate. Pass up. Something, something, beware. Khafar. Yeah. Pass up. Beware, khafar, something about a dog. You remember those ones, right? So, here we go. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to born-again believers. Pass up, beware, take note. I warn you beforehand that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. I like that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, that's you and that's myself, have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. We've crucified our sinful nature together with its passions and its appetites. Colossians 2 and verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk. Again, we're talking about our conduct. Walk in union with him. As you've received him, walk in union with him. Do you know what it means to walk in union with him? It means where he steps, I step. Where he steps, I step. If he steps left, I step left. If he steps right, I step right. That's walking in union. It's walking in unison. It's synchronizing my walk with his walk. 
If Jesus wouldn't walk there, what am I doing walking there? If Jesus wouldn't go there, why am I finding myself there? If Jesus wouldn't do that, why am I doing those things? Again, I don't know why we did away with the what would Jesus do bans. It was actually a really good, really practical reminder. Because you'd, you'd find yourself in a, in a compromising situation. You just look at your wrist and you say, what would Jesus do in this situation? Okay, if I'm not sure, if in doubt, I'm going to leave it out. Why? Because I want to walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say. Living lives that lead others away from sin. Living lives that lead others away from sin. I've got news for you. You coming to church on a Sunday morning only will not lead someone who's in sin away from a life of sin. It's what he sees you doing Monday to Saturday. When you take the bin out, when you bring the bin back in. When you're doing your shopping in spa and your kid is acting up, right? We all know we've been there. When your kid is, is, is going ballistic in the middle of spa um, and, and you, you really want to take off the slipper and you really don't know what to do and you really want to, you know, okay. But it's, it's, you get what I'm saying, right? It's not you being here on a Sunday morning that's going to win your neighbor over to Christ. It's what he sees you doing on a day-to-day -day basis, how he sees you living your life on a daily basis that's going to lead him away from sin. What I'm saying to you, what I'm saying to myself is let's do life with Jesus. In the same way that we speak about our go groups and we say, guys, a go group is a really cool place. It's a small, intimate community for us to come together and do life together with each other during the week. I'm saying to you the very same thing concerning Jesus. I'm saying, let's do life with Jesus. Let's not do Sundays with Jesus. Let's do life with Jesus. Let your lifestyle win sinners into his kingdom. So let's get a bit practical. Paul tells us what to do and what not to do, what to put on and what to put off. From verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul describes those things which the Christian must put off and those which he must put on. By putting off and putting on the things Paul identifies, we are conducting ourselves in accordance with our calling. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, rejecting all falsehood what are we doing are we putting it on or are we putting it off putting it off rejecting all falsehood putting off all lies all defrauding all telling of half truths all spreading of rumors and again it's not a closed list any such as these so mr businessman you think that it's okay for you to come to church on a Sunday morning, lift up holy hands, declare him as king of kings and lord of lords, and on a Monday morning, defraud your business partner out of a deal. Rejecting all falsehood, whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumors, any such as these. Speak truth, each one with his neighbor. For we are all parts of one another. And we are all parts of the body of Christ. Be angry at sin and, and at immorality and at injustice. 
and ungodly behavior. Yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. So there's things we're putting on, there's things we're putting off. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Other, 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 other um, translations will say, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give him an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Do you know that people can actually nurture anger? Don't nurture anger. Don't entertain it. Don't harbor resentment against your fellow man. The thief, I love this verse. The thief who has become a believer must no longer steal. Amen. So once again, um, depending on which community you come from, I come from a community where, um, you know, it was riddled with gangsterism, riddled with people who in your community would rob you, would steal from you, would pull out a gun and point it at you, pull out a knife and, and point it at you, who would kill people, who would rape and pillage, right? That's the community I come from originally. So obviously we'd have these 10 crusades and we'd, you know, we'd, we'd preach Jesus and a lot of these guys would come to know him as their Lord and personal Savior. Lots and lots. Guys would, the, the, the tenors who were in the choir were reformed gangsters. You get what I'm saying? That type of thing. And so here the scripture says, the thief who, who becomes a believer must no longer steal. That guy who gives his heart to the Lord, who used to steal from everybody and break into everyone's house, now that he's singing in the choir as a tenor, He's got to stop doing that type of stuff. It doesn't make sense for him to say that he's given his heart to Jesus, yet he's still breaking into people's houses. And by the way, we also had some examples of some guys just like that, and we had to bring them to order. You say you love Jesus. You say you've given your heart to the Lord, but your behavior is not matching up to what's coming out of your mouth. Your behavior has got to change. If you used to lie, stop lying. Come on, somebody. If you used to love skinnering, scandaling, talking about other people, stop it. Stop it now. We don't like it. Stop it. If you were the type of person who would harbor bitterness against anyone who ever did anything against you, and now you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I implore you this morning, stop it, let go, put it off, put off those things that you used to do. Are you with me this morning? Verse 29, do not let unwholesome, that's foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion, so that, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him, by whom you were sealed and marked and branded as God's very own. Do you understand why it's so important that your behavior lines up with the sealing and the branding that's taken place? God's Holy Spirit has 
taken a hold of you and he's sealed you and he's branded you and he says to satan and to all of those demons out there to every principality and to every power of wickedness and darkness in every high place out there god's holy spirit says this is one of god's own i've branded him i've branded her as one of god's own don't let your conduct contradict what the Holy Spirit is saying about you. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding, and slander be put away from you. I didn't expect lots of amens there, so it's okay. We, we, we're moving on. Just, just, just as you identify something, fault finding, yes, Lord, that's me. Just, just in, within yourself, just inside, on the inside, quietly. Amen. Right. And slander be put away from you. Put it away. Put it off. Along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, all verbal abuse, all malevolence. Be kind and helpful. We're putting on again. Be kind, be helpful to one another, be tender-hearted, be compassionate, be understanding, be forgiving of one another, readily and freely and easily, just as God has also forgiven you. In other words, in, to, to make it short and sweet, be just like Jesus. Be just like Jesus. Amen. So, how do we enjoy this new way of living? So, we have to ensure that we align our thoughts and our behaviors with this new life in Christ on a daily basis and in every single way, in other words, in every single area of our lives. Although the old things have passed away and all things have become new, we can be caught up in living out some old habits and entertaining some old mindsets we cannot bury the old man but keep his old habits if he's gone he's gone we cannot bury the old man but hold on to his old way of thinking you see satan is very cunning there's a reason why he wants to the minute almost almost the split second that you surrender all and you give your life to jesus immediately you you, you literally move on to his list of things to do the minute you say, Satan, I renounce you and all of your works, and I give Jesus, I surrender all to you, you immediately move on to Satan's list of things that I need to do, people that I need to be concerned about. And immediately he begins to put in place snares and traps targeted directly at you. Why? Because what he's trying to do is, as soon as possible, he wants you to slip up. As soon as possible, as early as possible in your Christian walk with Jesus, he wants you to mess up. He wants you to trip up. He wants you to fall. He wants you to bruise your knees and bruise your palms. Because he knows that you now have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. He now knows that you now are, are, are trying your very best to align your conduct with what the Holy Spirit says 
and how he says you ought to live your life. So his agenda is to try to trip you up. In other words, to try to get you to fall back into those old habitual ways. Because when that happens, it's also very easy for you to fall into condemnation. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us. It's Satan who condemns us. So he wants you as soon as possible and as often as possible to feel condemned. He wants you to say, he wants to have that conversation with you in your mind and say, yeah, you see, Christian for who? Born again from what? Saved where? There you go. Same old, same old. Nothing's changed. You're still doing the same things you used to do. You still get bitter towards people. You still uh, 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 entertain this anger for, for two days, three days, four days, five days in a row. You still don't forgive. You're still messing up. Saved? Are you sure you're saved? And so you begin to feel condemned. And that's why the scripture says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because God knows what Satan's agenda is. His agenda is to try everything in his power to condemn you. And when he condemns you, he also does something. He steals, he takes away your joy. He takes away from you, or he tries at least to take away from you, the joy that God has given you. And that joy that the Lord has given you is intended and meant to be a source of strength and of refuge to you and I. Let's go there. Nehemiah 8, reading from verse 10. Then Ezra said to them, Go, G-O, that's the name of our church, by the way. Go your way. Eat the rich festival food. Drink the sweet drink and send portions to him for whom nothing has been prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be worried, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. For the joy of the Lord, not the joy that the world gives, not, not that, that, that joy that's trying to be, but that isn't, that fake, that non-genuine, no. The joy that the Lord gives is your strength and your stronghold. Nehemiah 12, 42 and 43. And the singers sang, praise the Lord, hallelujah, with desire and tendai as their leader. Also on that day, they offered great sacrifices and they rejoiced because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. When the world looks at you and I, when the world looks at the church, they ought to see a picture of rejoicing and great joy of men, women, and children rejoicing together. The joy that gives us, that God gives us can be heard and ought to be heard from afar. It's not that kind of joy that wants to be kept silent or kept quiet. It's a loud and a far-reaching and a high impact and a light on top of the hill kind of joy. Amen. Why? So that the joy of Go Christian Church can be heard from far away. So that the joy of Go Christian Church 
can attract people in. Hallelujah, Jesus, that are sitting on the outskirts. Rejoicing itself is a verb. It involves a way of conducting ourselves regardless of the circumstance that we find ourselves in. Romans 5, reading from the Amplified. Therefore, since we have been justified, in other words, acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed. Verse 2. Through Him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us, every single one of us, let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of His excellence and power. Guess what? You've been born again not only to rejoice in the fact that you are born again, but to really truly enjoy the glory of your God. This walk was not meant to be a sour, bitter experience. You are meant to enjoy the glory of your great God. And verse 3, and not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure and trouble produces patient endurance and endurance proven character or spiritual maturity and spiritual maturity or proven character hope and hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation so guess what our joy and our rejoicing is not seasonal it's regardless of what the circumstance is even when we're going through hardships we still rejoice we still confuse the enemy when he knows that he ought to see us downcast, forsaken and forlorn, and, and so discouraged within ourselves, he sees us rejoicing. And he's confused. He's confused. He doesn't understand. Because he sees us with joy, re rejoicing even in our sufferings, rejoicing even in our hardships. And you know what all of that leads to? Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity for you and I. Moving from one level to another level. No longer drink, drinking milk only, but now eating a bit of meat. Now we're able to digest a bit more. Because we know what it is to rejoice in the midst of hardships. There's something that's birthed. There's something that's developed. There's something that comes out of you going through your hardship and rejoicing in the midst of it. It develops you spiritually. It takes you to another level. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice sometimes. Okay, we're still here. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In some situations, no. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.4 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, take pleasure in Him. Again I say unto you, rejoice. 
Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. John 16, 24. Until now, you have not asked the Father for anything in my name. But now, ask. And guess what? Keep asking. And you will receive. Why will you receive? Why will you receive? If you ask and you keep asking, why will you receive? Why is God going to give you the thing that you keep asking for? So that your joy may be full and complete. The purpose behind God, one of the purposes behind God giving you what you keep asking him to give you is because he wants your joy to be full and complete. John 10.10 The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life some of us don't see that word in that scripture right some of us actually quote that scripture without the word enjoy it's almost as if we don't feel that we have the right to enjoy life here on earth why did jesus come jesus came that you and i would have and enjoy life man oh man you are supposed to enjoy your life here on earth. You're not supposed to walk around like, you, like you've been dipped in lemon juice all day long. Hallelujah, Jesus. Sometimes you ask people, how are you? And they say, I'm good. And then you want to say to them, just remind your face, please. Because, yeah, you look like you've been in lemon juice. It's okay to enjoy your life. You are meant to enjoy your life here on earth. You are meant to rejoice in your great God. You are meant to rejoice regardless of the circumstance or the situation that you find yourself in. Enjoy your life. Live your life to the fullest. Wear a smile on your face. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let what's bubbling on the inside come on the outside. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, somebody. John 15.4 Now, it's a very long passage of scripture. I'm not going to read the scripture itself. So I'm not going to read from verse 4 to verse 10, but I'm going to tell you what's in verse 4 and what's in verse 10. Okay? During the December break, you can go read it for yourself. Okay? So, John chapter 15, from verse 4 to verse 10, Jesus instructs us and he says a few things to us. He says to us, Guys, you'll need to remain in me. Guys, you'll need to bear much fruit. You'll need to have my words remain in you. You need to be united with me. You need to have my message living in your heart. You need to remain in my love. You need to keep my commandments and you need to obey my teachings. So that's what he says. From verse 4 to verse 10, he says, Remain in me, bear much fruit, have my word remain in you. Be united with me. Have my message living in your heart. Remain in my love. Keep my commandments and obey my teachings. And 
In verse 11, John 15 and verse 11, he says, I have told you all of these things, everything that I just told you now. The reason I've told you all of these things is so that my joy and delight may be in you. In other words, if you remain in him, by remaining in him, by default, you will bear much fruit. If you allow his word to remain in you, even over the festive season, if you continue to be vitally united with him, if you have his message living in your heart, so not just dwelling there, but actually alive, living in your heart, if you remain in his love, and you keep his commandments, and you obey his teachings, then his joy and his delight will be in you. And so that your joy may be full and complete and overflowing. Even as we go into this festive season, and Brother Funi, so you can come up. Thank you so much. So even as we go into this festive season, beloved, it's very easy to get caught up in the activities that take place. It's very easy for us to lose focus. It's very easy for us to forget that our behavior, the way that we conduct ourselves, needs to continually be aligned with where Jesus is going. So just think about it that way. Just have that image in your mind throughout this festive season. That wherever he steps, I'm going to step also. Wherever he goes, I'm going to follow. Whatever Jesus would do, I'm going to do the same. However Jesus would conduct himself in this situation, I'm literally going to put my foot where I see his footprint. And in those moments where you feel like you're so weak that you can't even continue to walk, the beauty of it is that because he sees your track record, because he sees that you've been stepping wherever he steps, when you can't step anymore, he picks you up and he carries you the rest of the way. Where you weak, his strength comes in. Wherever your strength comes to an end, that's where his strength starts to only begin to kick in. I challenge us this morning. Most of us, if not all of us, I would say the vast majority, the vast majority of us here are not from this province. The vast majority of us here will go into other provinces over the festive season. We'll do that. I'm going to be in KZN. That's where I'm from. So we'll go to our, our, our places of birth. A lot of us will actually go um, over the border. In other words, we'll go to other countries. We'll go to Bots. We'll go to Zim. We'll go to other places. Here's the challenge for you and I as we, as we separate from this location and we go to our different areas where we come from originally. Here's the challenge. Just because we're not in this place, just because we're not in this city anymore, and maybe even just because there's no Go Christian Church eyes there to witness what we're doing, 
let let that not be the reason why our behavior the way that we conduct ourselves suddenly becomes misaligned with the stamp of approval and the branding that the holy spirit has placed on our lives even through this festive season may the people out there may our cousins and and uncles and aunties and nieces and nephews see by the way we conduct ourselves there's something different about him there's something different about her and not only is there something different about them but i'm interested i'm curious i want to know i want whatever he has i want whatever she has and may the way we live our lives attract those who do not know him as lord and savior into his kingdom is that okay this morning hallelujah jesus can we all stand this morning father god these are your people you've loved them you continue to love on them they're so precious to you jesus every single one of us every single man woman and child in this place this morning you love them with an everlasting love father be gracious and merciful to us lord even as we go our separate ways not only today father god but throughout the holiday or the festive season watch over every single one of us father i plead right now the blood of jesus the blood that has never and will never ever lose its power over each and every person here and their family members represented here this morning father in the name of jesus that no harm no accidents or incidents on the road would come their way hallelujah jesus cover them cover them with the precious blood of your son jesus christ and protect them and keep them safe and keep them secure in jesus mighty name until we meet again lord hallelujah jesus on the 6th of january and everybody said amen